So in my notes for this week, I made a list of all of the story arcs I can think of that Voyager has jettisoned. And I have the Kazon, I have Seska, the Vidians, the Doctor's Growth, the Caretaker, Suter, maybe Kess and her psychic powers. But they keep the Q arc of this series. Uh, Yeah, and I... I I think the reason for that has more to do with the fact that Jerry Taylor is turning this into TNG more yeah. than anything else. Maybe I um this episode. I hate this episode. I, I hate this episode in 2017 when we understand rape culture and the fact that the Confederacy thought it thinks it won and is fucking up our country still. Like this is not as cute of an episode as it thinks it is. Yeah, like. Kenneth Biller was on record as saying that he was not a very big Star Trek fan. And this was the first Q episode that he ever wrote. So he went back and watched, like, I guess all the TNG Q episodes to kind of figure out the character and to get the tone and stuff. Okay, so he was basically dealing with heavy PTSD afterwards, and that's how this episode came about. I understand completely. Yes, I think that's exactly what (laughs) happened, which is also uh, relevant to this week's Tuning In, which is being released in two days. Uh, But it is the case that I can see what they were trying to do with this episode, but I, A, I don't really understand why the tone of this episode is the tone of this episode. (laughs) Like, if you look at Death Wish, that was a very serious, sober look at assisted suicide or letting someone die or whatever. And this episode is... Very, the subject matter is extremely serious. We are talking about the the Q continuum, uh, which is the I think the one thing that the the Voyager has done with the Q in terms of world building because we we knew about the existence of the Q continuum when we did the TNG yeah. podcast, but we never went there, and they've been there twice already. So that is the thing that the show is interested in world building. Okay, fine. Um, but the tone of it is just so yeah. off because what you have is these omnipotent, omniscient beings who are, in a sense, destroying the galaxy in some sort of civil war. But it's played for laughs and it's played as some sort of like, I just can I, I don't want to watch Confederacy costume drama. And I have so many problems with this episode's, frankly, facile reading of the Civil War. It, it's just I don't understand the tone i don't understand the point i don't know what they were trying to do with this episode and yeah we'll talk about the weird sexual rape culture of q but it's yeah i don't know i guess to explain what bothers me the most about this is the fact that so q and his side are at 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 the beginning identified with the confederacy i mean he's in a plantation house with jade way he's saying she explicitly calls her a southern bell he's talking about how they're rebelling against the okay so they're a separatist faction they're supposed to be the confederacy we're forgetting that slavery existed for the purposes of this episode fine um except at the end then when the uh, they're talking, so they're talking to the other general who is wearing Confederate gray and talking in a Southern accent, and he's the one who's, you know, trying to execute them, and the cavalry come in, and it's the Federation, and they're the Union, and they don't know what side Q is supposed to represent. They can't put the, they can't put the Federation in the Confederate uniforms because fuck the South and fuck the Confederacy, but, uh, they, they... 
they don't know what – this is like a an understanding of the Civil War where they never studied the Civil War or maybe they had a middle school textbook. Look, I don't – I mean I don't want to cast any aspersions on Kenneth Biller. I don't know what he knows about the Civil War. I don't know what he doesn't know about the Civil War. I I think that – I mean the most charitable and, and perhaps uh, professional interpretation of – uh, what he decided to do in this episode with this Confederacy yeah. Civil War costume drama shit is he didn't think about it. Like, and I, this is obviously something that a lot of white people do, yeah. uh, which is, you know, look at the, um, all the clueless white people who are like, I don't know why the creators of Game of Thrones making a huh. Confederate, a show, a show where the Confederacy won the Civil War is, is objectionable. Why is that a problem? And you're like, well, A, it's a problem because it's one of the most, um, it's one of the most cliche alternative histories ever. There have been so many novels and stuff already about it. Uh, be the Confederacy kind of one, <laughs> and and see uh, the the whole like um, you know lost South myth is a real thing that a bunch of white nationalist alt right KKK types go through all the time. So so we don't need. Did to you see read that Coates article show, too? Because anyway. that was a really good article. Which article? Uh, the uh, Tanahisu Coates wrote a basically Confederate does not deserve the benefit of the doubt was the title of it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> if you want to go and like actually read like a very very well thought out, very well written article about why the show Confederacy is a bad idea, uh, uh, go to the Atlantic and read Tanahisu Coates' uh, article about it or, or opinion piece about it. But we're not here to talk about Confederacy. He just didn't think about it, and he's like, "Oh, the Q are having a civil war." This is I live in America. This is an American yeah. television show. I am going to use Civil War iconography. And he just didn't think about it, which I mean, I don't think he's like a racist. I don't think he was. I just don't think he thought about no, it. No, there. I mean, there, again, it's the old narrative of America started and there was slavery and it was very bad. And then we had the Civil War and slavery ended. And then, you know, there were still a couple more problems. But then we had the civil rights and that fixed everything. I mean, this is the narrative that Kenneth Biller was living in and that a lot of us were living in until very recently. Again, it's it's I was naive enough to think that, you know, when, when I, I was in college, when I got this random book just at, about, you know, people who are still, you know, keeping the Confederacy alive in the South. And I thought, you know, this is a wacky book about a tiny subculture uh, and who, you know, who the fuck still has a Confederate flag? I mean, I was that fucking naive just because I was growing up very much in the North, very much in New Jersey, where, you know, it's a very different culture to see this as, and I'm sure that's where Kenneth Biller was going around, particularly if whether or not he likes Star Trek or not, whether or not Voyager is good Star Trek or not, it is still Star Trek and there is going to be – I would say there would probably be a relatively liberal atmosphere around the Star Trek world at this point. So yeah, I, I it, it comes off as very naive this episode. Yeah, it comes off as extremely naive. I'm with you and I, I think that you're right about – you know, for example, like when I was, you know, studying the Civil War in, in, in high school, you know, we, we did not learn about like the Compromise of 1876 mm. and the disputed election and, um, you know, why Reconstruction ended and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Right. And so it, it is the case that I think there's a there's a lack of knowledge amongst a lot of people still to this day about the, the really dark period of American history 
um, that was, you know, from 1877 up until, you know, the 1960s, basically another century where, um, you, you know, after the disputed election of 1876, essentially what happened is that, uh, the, basically, um, the, the southern states were were allowed, uh, you know, union. Well, I guess they weren't called union at that point. But yeah. federal troops left the South and basically left black people to their own devices again. Uh, white Southerners basically figured out ways to uh, improve upon uh, the um, <laughs> uh, aims of slavery uh, without actually having slavery uh, in in name only. And, uh, you know, created uh, Jim Crow and created, a, you know, lynching culture and created the KKK and like all kinds of terrible things. And it was basically uh, there is a reason why there are a lot of black people in Chicago, for example, uh, because they all left <laughs> I mean, the South. You know, sometimes um, I think maybe the South should have won or we shouldn't have fought the war. And therefore you have this tiny country which would have collapsed in on itself because, you know, everybody could have said fuck you to it and we could have just let these people die. Oh, I mean, you know, I don't want to turn this into a, po- a podcast about the Civil War, but this is how much I do not want to talk about the Q and the Gray. Yeah. Is, you know, I, 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 I'm, I, 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 I understand that impulse, but I also think that I do not want to, uh, I do not want to abandon, uh, you know, every single black person. No, I mean, that's, that's the other part of it, you know, uh, you know to, to a horrible life of, of slavery. So yeah. I think the war was right to be fought. I, I think that uh, the problem was that reconstruction yeah. ended entirely too soon. Uh, and, and the culture and society and government of the South uh, basically had to be totally destroyed and rebuilt from the ground up. And that was unfortunately halted uh, way too soon. Mm-hmm. And then we got the horribleness of, uh, the post-war period. No, so I, that's my own opinion. You can agree or disagree with me. Uh, but if you disagree with me, then you're probably a racist. So <laughs> don't don't write us emails. Um, but that's our problem with the iconography of yeah. the Hue and the Gray. And, now, and <laughs> it, this is not like, like again, it, it, it's like if you had... If you had Q dressing up in, you know, Nazi uniforms and, you know, waving it around a swastika flag and you, this is not just innocuous imagery to me at this point in time. It's true. And it's not. And I don't know. I well, I just well, well, I don't fundamentally know what this episode is trying to say. I I. Again, I go back to Death Wish. I go back yeah. to the fact that that was a very serious and sober and and not played for laughs whatsoever. Uh, look at a very interesting aspect of a very interesting moral question. And following up, well, a I think it's too soon to follow up on that episode. Mm. Frankly, I th- you know Death Wish was uh, very very near the end of the second season. Uh, yeah. and, and now we're only about not even a halfway through the third season. So it just hasn't been long enough. It doesn't feel like it's been long enough to bring Hugh back in this show already. Or, and well, I would say maybe they could bring him back, but, you know, we're at the Fort Sumter period of time now. Like, this is just tensions are about to rise between the Cube, but they're not in open warfare quite yet. Yeah, but then what's the story there? Like that that's what I keep coming back to. Like they they wanted to do this civil war yeah. Q story and then have it be the fact of the matter that uh Q and and um I don't know, like Lady Q is Qella. Qella. Um played by Susie Plaxton, who who uh played K Lair. Um ah. uh, <laughs> and Sailar as, as well. Okay. Uh, the Vulcan Doctor in, in the second season of TNG. Um I thought she that, was familiar. 
<laughs> she does look familiar, and she's also an Enterprise as an Andorian, so you have that to look forward to. Um, I just don't really like. What is this? What is the war about? Like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what the war is about. What What, what are the what sides? Is... What What is Q fighting for? What are the other Q fighting for? Um. Like Q seemed to be okay. Q gave Quinn the poison at the end of Death mm-hmm. Wish. He 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 fulfilled Quinn's desire to die, and Q was sort of like, okay, if you take the char- let's let's track the sure character uh, through line of Q. Right, you have Q in the first like three or four seasons of TNG as this irascible. Uh, you know, outsized presence, this gesture, causing all kinds of mischief, yeah. right? And then, uh, you know, in that one episode, he gets his powers taken away and he's chastised and slapped on the wrist and he decides to become a born-again Q and he's kind of just stayed again. Um, all right, fine. And then this episode, Death Wish happens. He decides that, you know, Quinn was very full of life and he still wanted to die. And what is he doing with his life? So he's going to go back to being the old Q again. Um, and so then the war happens because Q wants to be fun loving and he has a bunch of other fun loving Q and the other Q are the stayed ones that don't want things to change. I guess that's what this is. It, but it, but like I'm spinning my wheels. Yeah, like, yeah, I have yeah, to yeah. make the, this all up. Nobody in the Q, nobody in Death Wish is saying that the Q can't go out and enjoy life again. What they're saying is that a Q cannot choose to die. A Q cannot decide to end this, to end immortality. That is the threat. Uh I, I, it, and now they're killing each other. <laughs> I mean, Q doesn't want to die in this episode. If he did, he would just run right in front of one of their guns, and that would be it. That's not the issue here. And yet that is what the issue at the core of Death Wish is about. Well, right, but I, I think it's muddled, though, yeah. because what what it seems to me is that Q kind of comes to the realization at the end of Death Wish that Quinn... Quinn wanted to die because he felt like he was done and he couldn't do anything else. Whereas Q realized that if he was living like that, he may as well die. So he doesn't want to put himself in that position. So he's going to become the, you know, mischief making Q again. And and he's going to drag a bunch of other Q along with him. But most of the Q seem to be under the impression that that is still not the way to go and that they want to sit around and read magazines all the time or whatever the hell they were doing in death with. Yeah. But the implication I got there was that they were just so bored with everything that they were just kind of like, yeah, I don't feel like going out. I mean, it didn't seem like they weren't, no, it, it, it didn't seem like they were saying, well, all the Q have to stay in the continuum. You can't interact with, I mean, if that was the thing, if there, if, Death Wish was the cue saying, we've seen it all, and now we're just going to remain here and not interfere with anything. That is something that Q would start a war over, yes. But they just seem like they just got very anhedonic. Well, but that's, I think, well, I think what you're missing, though, is that they, that already happened once, and they did tell Q to go back to the continuum and stop fucking around. Hmm. So I think that, that maybe the war was, was head off by Q, you know, he he didn't want that to happen again. I mean, again, I'm I'm making this all up. I don't know. Yeah, the episode doesn't <laughs> seem to have a clear understanding of what is going on. So I'm kind of filling in the blanks myself. But you know, if we're presented with this episode, I just think it's a mess. I, I don't know what they were trying to do with this. I hate to say it, but the Q wants to have a baby part of the episode made a lot more sense. Now it didn't make any sense that he would want to have that baby with Janeway, I could see him 
wanting to have a baby with Picard, frankly. Uh, like, like swap Janeway out with Picard and it makes complete sense. You know, yes, Q is obsessed with Picard and as a Q, you know, gender is irrelevant. I mean, this is in sexual reproduction as we really know it. So, of course, he would want Picard to be the father of his child. I don't. I don't think I want to. Do we have to talk about straight people? We said we weren't going to do it. <laughs> well, but that's why I'm I, trying to say. You know, Q is going to pick Picard. Now we're not talking about straight people anymore. We're talking about an agendered being, and it's okay. <laughs> yes, I agree with you, but that is not. It's so 90 Star Trek. Rapey. 90 Star Trek is still very wedded to the idea that whatever yeah. the gender presentation of the actor playing the role uh, is is going to be the reality, and so. I think it would have been very interesting if Q decided he wanted to have a baby with Picard, but then this episode would not have happened because Picard is not on this television show. From your mouth to uh, God's and, and, ears. Right, yeah. And and Janeway is on this television yeah. show, and Janeway is a lady. So, of course, Q is going to come and be like, I want to have sex with you. Uh, inappropriately and Janeway is going to rebuff him in a funny way because sexual harassment is funny um like what the fuck yeah (laughs) (laughs) I mean I mean it's stuff like this that you're like wow this was 20 years ago like and I'm not saying things are like much better now but at least maybe this was I don't know that this necessarily would have been noticed by anybody but like hardcore feminists in 1996 yeah. that I think there's much more of a understanding now watching this episode in 2017 that the dynamic that Q and Janeway have in this episode is deeply, deeply, deeply problematic. Thanks to those hardcore feminists who noticed this and helped those ideas to percolate, frankly. I mean, I think the only person who really seemed to have a problem with going on this going on was Chakotay, and while what happened between him and Seska uh, wasn't quite the case, especially since it turned out that Seska did have the Maja's child, Chakotay has felt violated in this way, and he can understand that, you know, what this is feeling like for Janeway. Nobody else seems to—Janeway re- herself doesn't even seem to think about this as anything more than an annoyance. Well, no, because because uh, 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 Kate Mulgrew knew that this was a comedy episode. Yeah, so she was going to play it for laughs. You know, there, no, there's, I, there's something. I, this is reminding me of we did a we did an episode uh, on Ghostbusters years ago when we were trying to do movies, and you know we were talking about the scene in which Lewis is like uh, following Sigourney Weaver back to her apartment, and I said something like, "Well, we know that you know." He's not going to do anything to explicitly violate her. And you said, well, yeah, but that's because this is Ghostbusters. We know that the movie is not going to go there. Um, You have an omnipotent being who is telling this woman, you are bearing my child. And we know that Q is not going to rape Janeway because this is Star Trek and that's not going to happen. And that's Q. But I don't know. The real world implications really bother me. Yeah, I mean, if this had been a sh- if this had been a, a show run by the people making Game of Thrones, mm. then he would have raped Janeway, and that yeah. would not have been a good thing. Yeah, uh, we're, now we're back to talking about them again. Um, yeah, but I I wish I could agree with you about Chakotay's problem with this because I don't like. I think that Chakotay's line read well. Uh, Robert Beltran's line reading of this bothers the hell out of me uh, seems to come from more of a uh, resolutions place where Chakotay is secretly in love with Janeway. Yeah, and that's fair too. And and I I mean, again, I wish I could agree with you that I think he is uh, head up about this because of his experiences being violated by Seska. 
Uh, because even though the baby was not his, it obviously was his and was intended to be his because otherwise what the fuck was the point of that storyline? But it, it just is the case that I, I don't think the episode, I don't think the episode remembers that. And I don't, even if it does, I don't think it's going there because it, it's a comedy and everybody in the episode knows they're in a comedy yeah. episodes. So they don't have to take any of this seriously, which is a problem. Yeah. And now that I'm rereading my note on this, it was, I did write it along the more along the lines of, it would be interesting if Chakotay had this perspective rather than you're right. I, I, I think it is because he kind of views Janeway as his a little bit. Right. Which is not cool. Ugh. Um, and I guess maybe, I don't want to say the last thing, but I think we're both kind of just tired of talking about this episode (laughs) is like, well, two things. Number one, there's a puppy in the episode. The puppy is adorable. I wanted to end talking about the puppy so we'd be in a better mood, but. Okay, well, we can, I'll just leave it there. We'll, we'll, we'll talk more about the puppy in a minute. Okay. Um, Maybe the the second to last thing then before we talk about the puppy (laughs) is Susie Plaxon as, as the, the lady cue. Um, then the baby, like they have a baby, uh, they decide to, to end the war because they're having a baby. Um, I, I guess that makes sense. Sure. I don't really have a lot of interest in interrogating that plot line. Frankly, I don't know that it ends the war. So fine. Sure. I'm okay with that. Um, but, but now there's a baby cue. Like, what the hell does that mean? Well, I'm sure the series will tell us. And again, Gainway and Voyager fucking ended the Q war. He can't zap them across the galaxy. I mean, especially Janeway can say, you know, there was this time cop from the 29th century and he wouldn't take us back because of rules. You don't like rules, do you? No, I'm sending you back because fuck that guy. And then Voyager ends and we can move on with our lives. Uh, Yeah, I, I think that like, a good op- like this is a good transition for macrocosm so maybe I'll save it for that but I have I have ideas about that <laughs> uh but uh, we'll we'll end on the puppy what a the good puppy, puppy was adorable and I wish that the puppy had stuck around and become a cast member because that would have been awesome I know he could and have I at think- least given her the puppy at the end I know and Janeway loves dogs and she would have a little puppy and that would be great there's a dog in enterprise this is, you know, so this is a foreshadowing of the Enterprise dog is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. Is, yeah. I think so. Is the Enterprise dog that cute? Uh, the Enterprise dog is a beagle. <gasps> so it's pretty, pretty cute. I love beagle. It's a pretty cute dog. Uh, not as cute as that puppy because oh. it's a puppy. Yeah. But it's and it's, pretty cute. You know that puppy is so clumsy. Like, he just trips everywhere because he's so excited to get there. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to get it. Oh! Richard, that puppy is dead. It probably is. God. All right. Well, let's move on to macrocosm. But before we do that, I just want to take this opportunity to remind all of you that Trek About is listener supported. If you would like to give us a little bit of money, please go to patreon.com slash Show and give now. If you give us $3 a month, you will get early access one week early to each episode of truck about isn't that exciting yes although i get like several week early access to truck about so i don't know why they're so excited <sighs> yes but you also don't support truck about because you host truck i am truck about <laughs> 
yeah so go to patreon.com slash truck about show and give now all right let's talk about macrocosm which uh there's a couple different directions we can take this episode i i think that um the the one thing that i want to say about macrocosm is that um if this had been not this episode but this television show had been um more carefully crafted if the people working on it had frankly cared more about it uh i think that they could have designed this show to to be the action adventure palette cleanser mm. to the very very serious work that ds9 was doing because you have to remember like voyager and ds9 were on the air at the same time for quite a few years what season are we at on ds9 at this point I think it was season five. So the Dominion War is happening or ramping up at this point. Yeah, we are very deep into the weeds of that. Yeah. Right. And so I feel like, or maybe it was season four, what, what, around there. The point is. The point is, like, I think that you have to look at Voyager in that lens. I think that, you know, if you think about watching DS9 and Voyager at the same time, hmm. I don't know that you would want Voyager to be like the grim, dark Star yeah. Trek because we they already kind of had that. Uh, but the show is not careful enough to really design itself in that way. So it it doesn't really work that well. But then you get an episode like Macrocosm, which should be ridiculous, should not work, uh, is kind of an obvious riff on Aliens, which... It's just kind of like I like this episode. Yeah. It's dumb. It doesn't really have anything to say. It but it's just no. enjoyable to watch. It feels like Kate Mulgrew saw Aliens that weekend and she's like, you know, that would be really fun to do. Write me that episode. And someone's like, All right, you know, let's just get a big creature on the ship and you get to fight it. Cool. Like that that it's 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 a I mean It was actually the it was actually the exact opposite of that. No? She didn't want to do this episode. Interesting, because she's she's like, yeah, I might look athletic, but I'm not athletic. <laughs> I don't really want to run around the ship for six days. But hey, you know, <laughs> she got to do what you got to do to get your paycheck. She did a very good job of it. Um, and you know, that's actually interesting. I wonder if that had anything to do with the structure, because I really like the structure of this episode, where it it seems it's just going to be. Uh, Janeway doing a bug hunt and then you get these nice flashbacks interspersed as she as she meets the doctor and he explains what's going on and it is one of those rare episodes where the the what's going on was very satisfying again this was a very well constructed episode yeah it is I mean it was written by Brennan Braga and and again Brennan Braga gets a lot of flack for destroying Star Trek which I don't agree with and I think that one of the things that I'm finding rewatching Voyager critically is that I'm liking Brandon Braga episodes. Yeah. I, I I think he's still got it. And this episode is true to the characters. This episode, obviously, uh, uh, jettisons all of them except for the Doctor and Janeway because that is basically what's going to happen to the show and it is happening to the show in the third season. But um, he does a really good job of structuring this episode in doing something that he hasn't done before, that we haven't seen before. And that it's just really entertaining, but it also has this kind of like a little bit, it's not experimental, but it's got a different structure than a typical Star Trek episode. And I, I like it all. I think it works really well. Yeah. I mean, there there are a lot of subtleties to this episode that I appreciate. I mean, this whole, the whole business with the tac-tac is, I mean, I, I just as a random alien species, they composed the 
we really only see the one guy, but he's really good as playing this horribly annoying and weird uh, and very mannered. But um, And that entire uh, alien species was kind of an in-joke on the fact that everyone was saying that uh, Kate Mulgrew put her hands on her hips all the time. <laughs> So they were like they came up with this idea which i like it's kind of goofy and weird but yeah but that's what i want to see more of like they're in the delta quadrant yeah. i want to see more of this stuff but at the same time they use it they use the tactic very well because they're initially presented as this very unforgiving and hard-ass species and everything needs to be very specific and they're very difficult to negotiate with and okay, then we'll have you face a virus which cannot be negotiated with. I mean, hell, at the end, the tack tack they're able to reason with them and, you know, get, work with them. I, I mean, the, it, it's it's a I, – I think that's a very nice balance of the Star Trek. You can always meet somebody that you can eventually figure out some common ground with, even as weird as they may be. You can yeah. you can you can come to an understanding and mutual agreement along with but you're in a part of space that you don't know that nobody's really been to and some really scary and dangerous shit is there. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's right because the episode starts out in a very strange place. I mean, they yeah. start out with you know Neelix and this tac tac guy on the shuttlecraft and they're doing this weird thing, and it it almost initially seems like it's going to be another comedy episode, and of yeah. course it's not, but. Yeah, you're right. Like, it is the case where, you know, and I'm not trying to oversell it, but the episode really does subvert your expectations about what this is going to be. And I don't know. There are things that I notice about it, which is that yeah, on the whole, like, I don't think it makes a lot of sense for Neelix and Janeway to take a shuttlecraft and just go fuck off for a week. Like, what? I don't know. Like, what was Voyager doing? Like, yeah. <laughs> like why didn't they just take the ship? It's not like Voyager had another thing to do, right? Um, but, okay, fine. And I think that, like, as I'm as we get yeah. more into the third season, and as the show uh, jettisons a lot of the more unique parts of its premise, uh, and is becoming TNG essentially, um, I don't know. It feels like the show. Like, I'm enjoying the third season a lot more than I thought I was going to. I would agree with that. I mean, it. it, it it's. I mean, the show crashes spectacularly every few episodes. We have a cue in the gray, you know. It does just totally shit the bed. But I, again, when when I like the show when it's trying to be again that simple palate cleanser. When it's trying to be a show that's just uh, we're lost in a weird section of space and we're gonna have a monster of the week and you know occasionally we'll have run-ins with the same species again. Uh, that simplicity, it works well when it's dealing with that because, I don't know, the, the show isn't interested in dealing with the major theme of its premise that, you know, what does it mean to, what do, you val- what do your values mean when you're in the larger world? When you've left your little subculture and now you're in the big city, you know, do you hold true to your values? Do you change in order to protect yourself? You know, how do you stay true to who you are and what you yeah, – all of these things. Voyager is not interested in dealing with this anymore. No, it's not. It's not at all. And it, it's interested in giving us aliens in, in, in Voyager, which, you know, is fine. Yeah, I mean, and, and if it wants to be – and when it is just being that show, I mean, again, I like – I find I like this show a lot better when it's not really trying to grapple with these deep themes because, frankly, yeah. DS9 is able to deal with those themes well. Uh, yeah. Voyager can't, so maybe let's go down another level and succeed at that. Yeah, I, I'm with you because I think that, that Voyager, when it's 
not trying it, it's a much better show in in a weird way it's and, so and I, that, that sound that sounds kind of churlish i mean i don't think this episode this episode is done very well and i think that it's doing some things that are interesting that that you know the show hasn't done before right and yeah. and that star trek hasn't done before i mean brian and braga has always said that it was difficult to not repeat himself after a while and yeah this episode has similarities with a lot of other episodes but it it's not the case that he's doing exactly the same thing and he is finding different riffs on it i mean yeah. just the fact of the matter that you know for example like an episode like um starship mind right which had uh uh which had Picard in a similar situation alone on the Enterprise having to fight off some uh, terrorists, right? And so you say, okay, well, it's kind of that kind of episode. And it is, but it's also given a little bit of a different flavor because of the fact that, you know, Captain Janeway is a woman, frankly, and that she is fighting off these weird alien creatures. I mean, uh, it's a good opportunity for me to mention that the October patron special, if you go to patreon.com slash truckaboutshow and give $5 a month or more, uh, we're doing it on on uh, Alien just because we wanted to kind of like yeah. link it up a little bit with uh, with Macrocosm because it is a, it is kind of a riff on Aliens yeah. and you know you know Sigourney Janeway but I don't know it, it's just it's done very well I think the show is I don't know it feels like this is the kind of stuff that the yeah. the creative staff was engaged with and it it doesn't seem like they were engaged with a lot of the stuff that Michael Pillar was interested in. You know, I mean, we're so we're obviously doing the X-Files on tuning in, and that show is explicitly divided into the mythology episodes and the Monster of the Week episodes. And I like both for the mar- most part. It It is very good at being two different shows. Voyager might do a really good job at the Monster of the Week episodes, but it never fucking figured out what its mythology was. And so... Whenever it's attempting to deal with the mythology, it feels very half-assed, and yeah. you can tell the show is not interested in that, and so I wish it wouldn't try. And I, I think that you see that, too, because I think that in a, I don't know, in, in something like, for example, um, what was it, uh, Genesis, right, with the devolution episode of TNG that was kind of horrible, <laughs> it was a very sort of half-assed scientific concept, and this, I think, also is a little bit half-assed i don't necessarily think that a macro organism yeah. i mean that doesn't i don't know that wouldn't work like here's the thing how are they get it? It, it 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 doesn't matter if it works in the real world as much but they sell it they didn't sell the devolution exactly because like i don't know like on the one hand i mean i wrote in my notes like okay how is this thing getting energy like what is it actually living on what is going on here but you know what's interesting about it they don't try and answer that question. Yeah. They're not interested in the question. They're not interested in the answer to that question because they're not interested in the question. They don't care. Like they set this up and they're just like, you know what? We're just not going to even mention that because it's going to slow the episode yeah. down and it's frankly not relevant. I mean, and I think that that's much more, a much more refreshing way to do it. Yeah, frankly, the the fact that every single member of Voyager apparently survives this is ridiculous. I mean, like, yes, if the, this virus would kill a lot of people, but you know, something this is Voyager and we want the you know, it doesn't matter. Look at this horrible thing. It makes bugs come out of your neck. Oh god. You know, yeah, I I I every time that you're about it is the kind of episode that every time you're about to question its premise. Something exciting happens. And yes, you know, maybe it doesn't hold up, but you know something? Didn't really matter. 
No, it doesn't matter. And I, I think that, that, you know, going back to the, the structure of the episode as well that you mentioned and that I mentioned earlier is that, you know, the first 20 minutes of the episode essentially are uh, aliens on Voyager. Yeah. And we don't see one of these things until minute 20. Uh, and then it dispenses with that. And you say, okay, well, what, okay, we saw one of these things, what's going to happen? How, how is the rest of this episode going to unfurl? There's 25 minutes left. And then of course, what happens is Janeway finds the doctor and then we get this nice little 10 minute back, you know, yeah. uh, flashback about how this happened and what happened. And it's like, it's, it's, it knows enough to realize that they could not sustain Janeway crawling yeah. through Jeffrey's tubes for 45 minutes and they find a way to structure the episode so that it works for 45 minutes. And, and then we get some nice character stuff with the doctor too, because this is his first real away mission that he is, you know, explicitly volunteering and going on and doing. And, you know, number one, yes, this is an amazing way to deal with quarantine situation. Just send somebody holographic on there. But the fact that he's like a little kid who's like, saying everything, you know, annoying them with how much he's chattering on the comm a little bit is, I don't know, it's nice to see him just goofily excited about this, and yet at the same time dealing with some severe danger. Yeah, yeah, because I think this is a, you know, I wouldn't say that this is a Doctor episode, obviously, no. but... It's got a Doctor subplot. I think what, I mean, I'm what, what I'm starting to see is that the show is very interested in the Doctor, and, yeah. you know, the show has been interested in the Doctor for a while, but the show wants to do stuff with him. And I think rightly so, because Robert Picardo is giving a very good performance and they have this emitter thing now that he can go off and do these away missions. I, what I find interesting about the way the doctor acts in this episode is that it's very similar to how Neelix acted uh, way back in um, Phage when he lost his lung. Uh, You know, (laughs) Because that was a character that was not in Starfleet, did not ever go on away missions. He was very energetic. He was very like a puppy dog. Yeah. He was studying all the away mission manuals. And now we have another character that is going through a very similar set of circumstances. And, you know, whatever your thoughts about Neelix are, I tend to like the character more than other yeah. people. But it is the case that in certain respects, this episode is kind of handing off that to the Doctor because we get Neelix going through this very harrowing situation with the tac-tac at the beginning of the episode with Janeway really praising his yeah. work and with him or her saying, you know what, it might be time for she you to promotes get a promotion. It, yeah. Right. Like, well, she doesn't quite, but she but. almost does. So Neelix is kind of like being pushed up a level and now they're passing that kind of storyline onto the doctor and i think that that makes sense you know it's the kind of thing neelix has no real official rank on the ship he's not starfleet he has shown no real interest in being starfleet so yeah jan janeway can't promote him because he's not on that structure but she can give him more responsibility in a way you know she she can give him a semi-official status and again in a way it's an ersatz promotion it it is a passing of the he's passing he's leveling up in this episode she is acknowledging that you know something you've grown from that weird guy who was on our ship and just and you've really made a home for yourself yeah yeah absolutely and which makes it kind of weird that the episode never resolves what happened to neelix you know here's the thing like and you know, Janeway, when it starts to get hot, you know, takes off her jacket and stuff like that. Neelix stays with this alien cum on his jacket for, like, until he passes out from it. I mean, you'd think he would uh, at least try and get it off of his skin. 
I I think that uh, they probably just didn't want to do the extensive makeup <laughs> yeah, required to have Neelix take his jacket off, which you know <laughs> is just kind of a you gotta have to go with it. Yeah. But like Neelix disappears, and then we don't see him again. Even like the that's the one thing about this episode. This episode is kind of weird. Like you know, it ends with Janeway painting yeah! in a ready room, <laughs> listening to like soft jazz, and kind of Voyager flies off to soft jazz, but. Why does where did Neelix go? Did did anyone find him? Is he okay? <laughs> I mean, I su- you know, there there was that one mention that oh, well, all of the viruses gather them in the mess hall, and I guess my understanding, my my assumption is that one of them picked him up at some point. I mean, I I hope so, but it would have been nice to instead of having that very bizarre scene of. Janeway listening to jazz, yeah. like have a scene with Neelix and just let us know that Neelix is okay. I mean, obviously Neelix is okay, but still, it's just a little strange to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has has Janeway painted before? Uh, no. You know, she th- hasn't. This is the thing. We, you know, Starfleet officers, the, the TNG really did a lot of this, but everybody has all of these weird hobbies. Everyone's always playing some kind of instrument or doing a play or whatever. Uh, Picard had his hobby of archaeology, and uh, Cisco obviously had baseball. They haven't really... R- Ry- Riker's hobby was um, having sex in the holodeck. Yeah. Uh, do, oh, you remember his little lady music box? I always love that thing. Um, I do, yeah. Janeway, they haven't really figured out what her hobby is, but I, I didn't think painting would be it. I could see her with you know some weird machines or so she's doing some kind of chemistry experiment you know or something like that because again she's a science geek but you know let her paint she's fine might be some uh might be a little more uh insightful than you realize there richard really good for me maybe maybe uh well just a couple other minor things that, that i want to mention about this episode before i wrap this uh, podcast up uh the episode does remember that neelix only has one lung i thought that was a nice yeah. little detail um and also Blana and Tom are arguing with each other and I'll just leave it at that. Oh no, 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 no. Fuck you. Oh my god. No. 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 All right, well, they still have Neelix's good morning program. That's I guess the one note I had. They remember yes, something. I, yeah. And and also the baby still exists cuz we see the little play area. So that's good too, I guess. the The show does remember things. Oh it my! Doesn't always remember God. things. But it remembers things sometimes. Is the baby and the Q baby going to go to school together? No, that doesn't happen. Oh, thank God! Yeah, don't. Uh, I mean, look, uh, time <laughs> travel is possible in Star Trek. Kenneth Biller could come into the future, listen to this podcast, and get an idea and oh, go back no, and write I that re- episode. So please don't do that. I don't want that to happen. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said anything. It's fine. All right. Well, I think we'll leave it there. If you have any thoughts on either of these episodes of Star Trek Voyager, the Q and the Gray, or Macrocosm, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at truckaboutshow.com. As we've said many times on this podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash truckaboutshow and give us a little bit of financial support. It would be very much appreciated. It also supports our other podcast, Tuning In. This Thursday, we are releasing our episode on the X-Files, The Walk, and Obliette. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, truckaboutshow is there. Truckaboutshow is our username. And as always, please leave us an iTunes review for Truckabout as we are now doing something very, very exciting. 
as we said last week, this is going to be our last Voyager podcast until November 14th. That's right. We are taking a Voyager pause for Star Trek Discovery. Wow. It's finally happening. It's here. So next week, we are not talking about Star Trek Voyager. We are talking about Star Trek Discovery, which is like, what? Is this happening? Episodes one and two, we don't know what they're called yet. I hope the titles are great. Now, okay. Pilot. Pilot part two. We're going to get to see these soon. So I have a question for you, Richard. And and also listeners, please leave a comment or write us an email. Uh, Do you think that Star Trek Discovery is going to have on-screen episode titles or not? If it doesn't, I think there will be a lot of outcry. That is not an answer to my question. I want Discovery to be a new Star Trek show. I want it to be good. I want it to be awesome. A lot, you know, everything you hear about the cast is great. You know, uh, Ricky Vasquez is, is gay in space. I mean, this is going to be amazing. But I, I'm so scared. I think if Star Trek Discovery has on-screen episode titles, it will be very good. If it doesn't, watch out. Yeah, I, that I is my opinion. That's a good way of saying it. And I also really, really hope that football does not run late because I do not want to be up until one thirty in the morning recording a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but if I have to, yeah. I will because that is how much I am devoted to this podcast. This is, you know, the, 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 it, you just if you're in Starfleet, you just got to do what you got to do. All right. Well, that is it for Voyager until November 14th. Uh, so if you're enjoying our Voyager podcast, I guess go back and listen to Caretaker again. Uh, but next week probably on monday uh we are going to be talking about star trek discovery which is still hard to believe uh episodes one and two 